morning. Anyone, um, anyone need some good news today? I've got some good news for you. It's found in Luke 15. Let me read it to you. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out as a citizen, to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but the, he answered the, his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you, never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I can celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah, good. So we finally get, we get to the good part. We finally get to the actual hero of this story, the literal embodiment of love, the father. And if you've ever wondered if God could love somebody like you, if you're like the younger son who wandered far away, who has a past, a past that haunts you, and you think, well, if I do come and live in the kingdom of heaven, if I, uh, it'll be like as a polisher of the pearly gates or a mopper of the golden streets. You know, it'll be kind of, you know, it's not going to be the sun. It's, it's, I'm not going to get a lot of attention. I'll just kind of be the bottom rung. That's, that's what the, that's what the, son, the younger son says is, I'm just going to come back as a servant. I've done too much. I've been too bad. I've made too many mistakes. My past is too full of shame. And the good news of this story for you is, nope, that's not how you're welcomed home. You're welcomed home 
as a son. I've never said that before. The good news for you is nope. I think that might get some traction. Uh, I like that. Or if you're like the older brother, and this is, I, next door I work with Pastor Sean. He's a good friend, colleague. We work together. And he said, he, he noted to me, he said, you speak so much author- more authoritatively as about the older brother. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, pastor's kid, grew up in a Christian family, never rebelled, went to Christian college, and as if that weren't enough, went to Russia for two years to serve the Lord before returning home, <laughs> spending a year, and if that didn't qualify me for sainthood, teaching middle schoolers for a year certainly would uh, do that seminary. So there's a way in which we older brothers see outwardly we look like the good ones. We look like the ones who can say confidently, I've never broken the rules, but inside have hearts that are full of bitterness, resentments, that all come manifest when somebody like the younger brother comes home and is like that. Like this is, the words of the older brother is, this isn't fair, which is true. It's not fair, but that's the point, that, that resentment. The good news, whether you're the younger brother, the older brother, somewhere in the middle, is that the party's for you. You're all invited to the party. You are all, we are all welcomed home. Reconciliation, celebration, the love of the Father, the full attention of the Father, the being the centerpiece of his joy is for all of us. That's the good news of the story. And, and the, the further good news is that reconciliation is possible. Whatever you think of as impossible as far as reconciliation, this parable reminds us that reconciliation is possible. Now, God is love, right? Amen? Thank you. All that God is, is an outworking of that love. So when we talk about, for example, God is just, what we mean by that is God hears the prayers of those who are oppressed and is on their side. His love demands fairness, justice, treatment. That's just, uh, that, that God's justice flows from his love. God's holiness flows out of his love uh, in there. So I want to just take a moment to talk about God's holiness as an outworking and experience of his unyielding, unrelenting love. And how when we move against the grain of that love, we will experience God's love as torment. When we move with the grain of God's love, we'll experience that as joy. Um, What do you mean by that? Well, this is what I mean by it. How did the older brother experience the joy of the party? It was to him, to use a biblical word, hell. Because he was moving against the grain of the father's joy and love. And the father's love for his brother was torment to his very soul. In fact, even in this picture of the story, you have an image of of what, whenever the Bible talks about hell, is made visible. Where is he? He's outside by his own choice. He's in darkness, and he's disconnected from the joy and the life of the Father. Um, You could, so when I hear people talk about God's holiness, I often hear about it with, like it's some kind of threat. I was sitting there thinking, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read them the lyrics to, to uh, Rich Mullen's song, God is an Awesome God, which has the best first line of any song I've ever heard. 
When he rolls up his sleeves, he ain't just putting on the Ritz. <laughs> That's how the song begins. Like, he, I see him reaction that and just putting the pen down and being like, wow. <laughs> and then there's thunder in his footsteps and lightning in his fists. And, and as I hear th that phrase in particular, lightning in his fist, strikes me. Because that's actually how Zeus is pictured. If you can picture Zeus, it's an accusing finger with a lightning bolt in his fist, ready to throw it down. And what we, when we think about God's holiness, we often tend to think of that as some kind of a threat. And when people tell us about God's holiness, usually it's a way of saying that you are a threat. You are, God is a threat to you. That's what this verse is. And, and you know, the, the intent of this, of this song is to remind us that of God's holiness as separate. It, it's I, I honor the intention of that song because we can be too familiar with God. But what makes him holy and different than us is the fact that God is unrelenting, holy love. Only love flowing out of him. And if you move against the grain of it, you'll, it, it will torment you, just like it tormented the older brother. Or if you move against the grain of it like the younger brother, it'll torment you because eventually... You'll reach the end of your rope, and you'll find yourself feeding pigs, and you'll, you'll want to come home. But the moment you start home is the moment you begin to move with the grain of love back towards the Father. How do you imagine God's holiness? Is holiness something that you don't think too much about, or you see it as like, yeah, that, that's the attribute of God that makes me feel like I'm a dirty rag or snow-covered dung, you know, whatever images you've, you've been told that the gods demand, like he can't look at you, he can look at his son and pretend it's you. Like, that's cool. That's, that's really comforting. Thank you for that. So um, the holiness of God is something that exposes us. It, it shows us that our, our hatred, our anger, our resentment, it, it, it has the effect of, of clarifying and illuminating all the ways that we're different from God. But it's love, and it's an invitation to join him. Let me suggest to you that this parable is ultimately a picture of God's holiness, how he's different than you, and he's different from me, and why that is actually really, really good news to us. That's why this, past, this parable is so radical, because it's, it's a picture of God's love, and, and the way that his love is completely different than our way of love. We keep a ledger. We keep a way of wrongs done to us and on the one side and nice things or apologies on the other, and then we kind of value them based on how we perceive their commitment to us is. That's not how God loves. The central, let me, let me, let me put this one out there. The central question of this parable is not whether or not the father will overlook the, son, the sins of his children, but whether or not they'll come home. There's nothing in the Father that says, well, could things be so bad that the Father won't welcome home? Do you walk away saying like, well, if the, if, the, if the younger son had just done three more sins, he wouldn't have been welcomed home? Or if he would have added murder to his list, or you know, whatever it is, that the, 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 point, the emphasis of the parable is not the sins of the son against the Father, but the welcoming, unconditional love of the Father that radiates out, that one, one son finds and one son, son finds offensive. That's the central repentance in this parable is pictured as joining a party of joy and love and how that, the mere presence of that party provoked indignation in the older brother.
To be holy to, to, is to love as God loves, without conditions. To be holy for us means to show forgiveness, grace, mercy to others. Trying, ready for this one? Trying not to sin, to earn the Father's love, is the path of the older brother. And it led him away from the Father. That the trying not to sin, trying to be perfect, like when the older son says, I did everything right, I followed all the rules. The father never says, you know, perfectly, are we, are we sure it's been perfect? Are we, did you do the right things? So, you know, he doesn't do that. He accepts it, sure, fine. Yeah, you did, you did. You, you've done a great job, you've been a good son. Come to the party. Come join the party. The central tension of this passage and this parable is, will you come to the party? Will you honor the invitation? Or will your sense of shame within or the shame you have and project onto others prevent you from coming and joining into the love of the Father. All the Father in this story wants is for his sons to share the joy of the party. This whole parable is an image of God's holiness. It's an image of his love. And what does love look like in this parable? Well, love takes the form of a father waiting and watching for the son to come home. And when he sees him, pulling up his robe so that he can run as fast as he can to welcome his son home, saying, he's here, he's home. I can't believe it. My son is finally home. He's alive. He clothes him, covers up his shame with a robe and a cloak, puts sandals on his feet, a ring on his finger, a symbol of his authority, of his sonship. Now you have the capacity as the one who bears the signet ring of the family to do business and to, to press that into the hot wax and, and make things official. Um, that he's home and he's reconciled. Love throws a party. Love celebrates the return of the younger son. And when love hears that the older son is outside, pouting, sulking, he leaves the 99 in the party to find the one who's outside in the darkness to bring him back into the light, to bring him back into the joy, to say, everything that is mine is yours. But you have to choose it. You have to grab it. You have to live it. You have to let go of one thing to hold on to the other, to come to bring and urge the older son back inside. Love creates space for both sons to rebel. Love is never coercive. Love doesn't impose itself. It doesn't control it doesn't manipulate. Love only ever invites while re respecting the dignity, the autonomy, the freedom of his children. You can go, leave me by going to faraway land. You can leave me by staying here but refusing to enter into my joy and my love. I'll respect that, but I will only ever, forever invite you. It's a party where the doors are open. That's why the elder son heard it, because the doors are open. Anyone who wants to, anyone who hears the music, sees the party, sees the light, come inside and join it. Um, they are free to stop acting like sons. But one of the keys of this parable is they're never free to stop being sons. They are forever the children of the father and brothers to one another. And that's, that's all the father's trying to do here. In, in each instance, you're my son and this is your brother. That's all you need to agree to to come and enjoy the party. We know that the younger son plans to tell the older son, that the, old, the younger son plans to tell his dad, I am not worthy. 
But his, he goes and he practices his speech. So he's walking home. He's practicing, and he says, okay, I'm going to lead with, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But if you have mercy on me, I'll become a slave to this household because I'm at the point now, I just need food in my stomach and a roof over my head. And if you notice, the father interrupts the speech he's been rehearsing in the parable. I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father says, stop with that nonsense. Covers him in a robe, welcomes him, interrupts his speech, and invites him inside. Because a father, a son can reject a father, but a son cannot make a father stop loving him, stop pursuing him, stop treating him like a son. He may not feel like a son, but the father doesn't really care about his feelings. He cares about his feelings for his son and says, you are home. You may not feel like a son, but let's throw a party. Let's begin the process of healing that and restoring that. Um, that, that feeling has a name. It's called shame. That says, I'm no longer worthy to be here. I'm just going to be a servant. I'm just going to work it off. Maybe I can have some value through my hard work. And this, the father will hear none of that. You're my son. Welcome home. The same is true of the older son. He won't share in the joy of the father. He won't come inside the party, which is his choice. And the father never, like, there's no scene in the parable where the father grabs him, puts him over his shoulder, walks him into the party, says, sit here, smile, have some fun, dance. Like, no. An invitation. Come inside. Please come join the father. Um, and, and again, the younger son, the older son may say, this son of yours squandered it on prostitutes, which the father says, no, he didn't. Like, why, why do you always go there? Uh, no, but no, sorry, there's no shame. I'm not like the father. I should, I should have told you at the beginning. Um, he's, he's, what he says to him is, is you... Your brother wants to stay in this, in this, in his shame, and I'm rescuing him from it. You want to keep him there, and I'm trying to rescue you from that too. Come inside and enjoy the Father. This this brother of yours was lost. He's he was once dead, and now he is alive. This whole story ought to shock us. The only reason it doesn't shock us is because it's familiar. But the idea of the sins of the son being so forgiven and a party being thrown is so contrary to who we are. It's just a reminder God is holy and we are not. This does not make sense to me. And, you know, the story makes sense. The theory makes sense. But just try saying something mean to me and seeing how differently I treat you. Don't actually try that. I'm just, what, what I'm trying to say is not send me a mean email. What I'm trying to say is I may believe that here, but my life and the way people cross me, I, I do not forgive so easily and so outlandishly as the Father. Um, let me say this. Many people who reject God are actually rejecting the older brother. They're told that this is what God is like by people who are an awful lot like the older brother. And they say, well, I don't want to live in that world where my sin, everything, my past is constantly held against me. Um, I don't. Um, the good news of the story is that God is not like the older brother. I mean, imagine if the older brother had seen the younger brother first. 
Imagine the, the father's inside tending to business and the older brother's out there working twice as hard because that's what we older brothers do. Uh, we double down when somebody else drops the slack. We're like, well, it's up to us firstborn to pick up the slack yet again. And, but imagine he sees the younger, his brother returning and, so, and so he's like, is that my brother? It is my brother. The one thing I think he would have had in common with the, with the father is I think he would have ran to him. But everything after that would have been different. <laughs> I think he's running, but in a far more threatening and menacing way of saying, how dare you come home? Who do you think you are coming back onto dad's property? You walked away from this. You don't get this anymore. You don't get to come home. You left. You've made your decision. What are you doing here? You, the food of pigs is more than you deserve. You should go back there because even living is a mercy right now. Man, it would have been a terrible story if the older brother got there first, wouldn't it? That's unfortunately many of our stories. But imagine the healing that would have happened if the older brother grabbed the younger brother and said, I love you, and I'm so glad you're home. I thought I'd lost you. I was so angry at you for so long. But now that I see you back, it's all forgotten. Now I know we have some stuff we need to talk about. We got to work some things out. But for now, brother, I'm so glad you're home. What does that do in you? I mean, there is no other story that moves us quite like stories of reconciliation. And there is nothing that heals us more than stories of reconciliation, of being brought back together. Reconciliation takes time. The older brother and younger brother, they still got their issues to work out. But some shift has happened. And how does that shift happen? We have the same dad and we're brothers. Everything else is details to be managed and worked out right now. But for tonight, we go into the party. Maybe a long journey ahead. Sometimes reconciliation takes a long time. But it begins with an imagination of forgiveness. It begins with the grounding in a relationship. It's like we just read in, in 1 John. We have the same father. Therefore, his love flows through us to our family. We love one another. Um, Love sees a son, not a mistake. Love invites you to see that person as your brother, not as a past and sins. Love only sees a son that has welcomed home. You know, the center, the core of this story, and of all three stories of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, the through line is joy. Joy of something that was lost found. There's nothing that heals you. If you need healing somewhere in your heart, there are two things that can heal. Love, joy. That in this story is a party that's reconciliation that is marked, moved, the fuel of it, the engine of it is love and joy. It is why this parable, frankly, still haunts the secular imagination because we all, deep down, Long for someone to forgive us and tell us we're okay, to welcome us home. And I'll tell you one thing our city needs right now 
It's somebody to say, your family, figure your stuff out together. That the love you have that you've received, figure it out together or you're going to, the city is going to hit some bumps. I'll just say that. All right. Um, I'll save that for later. So this is how I want us to end. You know, this is a story. Stories open the imagination. Stories invite us into it as a character. So what I want us to do in, in, in closing is imagine what it would be like to be at the party. Imagine 2,000 years ago, you're living in a small village. You, uh, you can pick your profession. Be blacksmith, tanner, have a herd of sheep, olive press, flower maker. You know what? You figure it out from there. So, so you're in this small town. You're part of a local economy that is all interconnected. And part of what interconnects a local economy in the, in the first century is, is trust of one another, that your, your bonds are your dependencies on one another. You know, we forget that as a community, that we need each other. Uh, so much of our life is separated from, from one another. So um, back then, you're interconnected. You knew it was interconnected, and, and you knew when the younger son left. You heard about it. Uh, you heard what he did. You were shocked. You've literally never heard a story that bad of a son who would dare say to his dad, just give me my stuff before you die. I want to act as if you're dead and, and, and live, take your wealth and, and go do what I want with it. You've never, ever heard of something like that. And, and you, uh, you see, you know, you're going to whatever you do, uh, whatever work you have, and uh, I hope you picked a vocation. And you're, you, you would, as you're going to market, say, to, to do, your, do, your, do your business, you see him on the highest hill. You see him silhouetted against the hillside. And he's looking. And you ask somebody, who's that? It's like, oh, that's, that's a... Now I have to name him. That's Judah. He's, uh, he's hoping his son comes home. And you're like, oh, so he can, like, whip him? No. No, 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 no. So that he can welcome him home. He just wants his son alive again. And you, you laugh. That's the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard. He did that, and he's waiting for him to come home to welcome him home? What is wrong with him? That's crazy. The way he treated him, the way what he did his reputation, the way that now whenever we see him, the, our first thought is, oh, there's the guy who gave his son his inheritance for him to go squander it uh, in a foreign country. So he's waiting for him to come home, and so you just kind of put it aside. Like, that's crazy. I've never heard anything like that. Well, you hear that there's going to be a party that night, and uh, since we call him Judah, Judah's throwing the party. And you... Are you here? What was the party about? You know, was his, his son getting married? Like, no, 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 nothing. It's his younger son came home. You didn't hear that? He came home. He's home. And he's throwing him a party, like, like a huge party. The band's going to be there. He killed a fattened calf. He got like a, a load of oranges from Egypt to serve people. And you're like, I love oranges. I haven't had orange in years. They're so luxurious. And, uh, and you, but, but, but you still can't get your head around. But it's to welcome his son home? Is he going to, like, ridicule him? Is he going to mock him? Is his son, like, tied to some kind of stationary thing to spit on him or something? Like, no, 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 no. You, you still don't understand, bro. He's home, and he's glad he's home. And you're like, free food and entertainment? I'm going to be there. So you go. You rush to the party. And, and you go there, and, and uh, you, uh, you enter the room. And it is a party. Music 
dancing in the place is full. The table has more food than you can imagine. And yes, there's oranges there. And so you go, you cut some of the fat and beef. You're like, I've never had beef this delicious. The bread is fresh and steaming and, and there's an orange to peel. And you just, there's the whole sensory experience of peeling it, smelling it, getting the oil on your fingers. You're like, this is amazing. I can't believe I'm eating an orange right now. And, uh, and you look and you see someone that looks like somebody threw an expensive robe on a sapling or something, like this thin, emaciated, like human-like figure. And you're like, oh my gosh, that's the son. You can't believe it. Like he's, he's so thin. He looks like he aged twice as long as he was gone. His eyes are sunken in. His hair is all patchy. You're like, I can't believe that, that that's him. But the father will not stop touching him. He has his arm around him. He's taken him from guest to guest saying, my son was dead, but he's alive. He was lost, but he's found. Thank you for being here tonight to share in my joy. I hope you got enough food. I hope you got enough wine. I see you found the oranges. Please enjoy my party and going from person to person, thanking them for just coming to bear witness. You've never seen anything like that. The joy of going from person to person to person. And then somebody comes in to the party. One of his servants whispers in his ear, and you can see the, the father say, where? And he's like, over there. And they leave. And so you think, you know what? Maybe one more goblet of wine and maybe another orange. So you're in there, and you're enjoying the food, and, and, the, and um, the party, the celebration, the joy, and then the father comes back in with the older brother who looks at the younger brother, opens his arms, initiates a hug, and the two of them hold each other and weep for a very long time. And the father's hand is on the backs of both of them, and he is weeping. You have never seen joy like that. You've never, your imagination had never even thought of reconciliation and forgiveness like this. There's no debt to be paid. There's no atonement for the past sins. There's just a party and a son who came to home. And the father stops the music, stops the, stops the talking, and says, friends, my joy has doubled. Another son has returned home. The celebration is continue. We're going to kill another fattened calf. The party is going to continue into the night. Thank you all for coming tonight to share my joy. And then the party starts up again. More meat is brought out, more wine, and the party goes into the early morning hours. You look, you can't take your eyes off the older brother, you know. He's harsh. He doesn't smile a lot. He is pretty kind of business person that doesn't like ever to, for a deal to go any way but his. But you see a softness on his face that you've never seen before. That you know, I, something's changed in here. Something has happened in here. I've never seen anything like it. And as you go home, you're different. You've stepped in to the kingdom of God for one night. A place where there's good food, good music, joy, dancing, and reconciliation. 
And you can't help but wonder how much joy you've missed out on because of your inability to forgive and let go of past things. And says, I want to throw a party like that. I want to be reconciled like that. You've stepped into the kingdom of God and you don't want to leave it. We are not the father of this story. Only God is holy. Only God can love like that. Only he can throw that kind of party. But we are part of his family. We live on his estate. And all that is his is ours. And Jesus is the true older brother who invites us to say, come, behold, the kingdom of heaven is here. It's now. Reconciliation is here. You're reconciled. Everything has changed. The door to the party is always open. Prodigals are always welcomed home. And older brothers like me are always challenged to be the first one to greet at the door and say, welcome home, brother. Welcome home, sister. So come this morning to the table, to the table of reconciliation. Come as a younger brother. Come as an older brother. Come as both. Come as somewhere in between. Just come to the table that has been set for you. And as you return to your seat and think about that party, that reconciliation party, the love that God has for you, begin to imagine what reconciliation might look like. The long road ahead of learning to love our enemies. Pray that we too may know that kind of joy, may taste that kind of joy, for life is just too short to hold on to our pettiness when there's a party raging around us. Let's pray. Father, as we come to the table, thank you for Jesus who told this story to announce what it was that he was doing on our behalf, paying our debt so that we can walk, be welcomed home. Thank you for your love for us that throws a party and celebrates, that forgets our past and just welcomes us home. May we really actually have the power we need to believe that, yes, the good news is actually that true, that we might experience the party thrown on our behalf so that we can join in the celebration as others come into you, to your presence, and are reconciled. May we taste and see and know that joy. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.